Amen. If you have your Bibles, go ahead and turn to Matthew chapter number 6. And this is kind of a foundational text for all of our series uh, as we have been, I'm sorry, all of our lessons in this series as we have been talking about stewardship. And so uh, this verse is really the foundation to all that we have been talking about in recent weeks. And so if you had Matthew chapter 6, look at verse number 19 through 21. Uh, when you get there, you can say uh, amen. Uh, Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where neither moth nor rust destroys, where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Pray with me. Father, we thank you this morning, God, for your amazing love, your amazing grace. God, we thank you this morning, uh, Father, that you care about our resources, God. You care about our money. You care about those things that you have given to us. First, God, we thank you that you have given us stuff to steward over because we know, God, that all of these things come from you. And so, God, we stand uh, with a degree of humility, uh, a degree of thanksgiving, and, Father, anticipation as we learn, Father, today more specifically how to take what you've given us and transfer it back into the kingdom of God. God, we love you and we praise you. And all God's people said amen. Let's make sure all those mics are off. Amen. First, I want to thank all of you. You may be seated. I think some of you didn't get the memo. You may be seated in the Lord's presence. Uh, I really first want to thank each and every one of you for hanging in there. Uh, with regard to this series. Um, you know, and it's amazing because when you prepare to uh, minister, um, like I'm doing here this morning, it's amazing that the first person that gets to uh, hear the message is the one who is preparing the message. And so uh, God has just been, uh, me and my wife was having a conversation last night about money and just just talking about some things, and, and it's amazing how that God is even working uh, to rearrange to some degree my thinking on this issue. And so by way of recap, I want to bring everyone up to speed. We have been talking about stewardship. More specifically, we've been talking about um, how to handle our money God's way. In the first week, we explored the reality of the fact that God owns it all. Say that with me. God owns it all. And what that simply means is that if God is the owner, then we are simply stewards of God's money. And that's really a foundational principle in understanding uh, how to handle your money, is to first understand that God really does own it all. And so we took some time to explore, and we looked at some verses that highlighted the fact that God owns it. And when we realize that God is the owner of it all, then it should change the way in which how we handle his money as his stewards. Week two, last week we dealt with the subject of kingdom priority. Everybody say priority. Last week uh, we talked about how that we need to position ourselves, our financial structure in such a way that God is the priority uh, of our life. Now, I want to make a couple of comments before we really get into my subject for today, which is how to make treasure in heaven. Um, we, we, one of the things, we talk about kingdom priority. The, the whole purpose of really bringing that up is so that we all can guard against excessiveness. How many know that God doesn't have a problem with you having things and purchasing things? We are not, for example, anti the American dream per se, but we as Christians understand that the American dream is primarily based in earthly treasure. Amen? What we're more concerned about is heavenly treasure. And so 
when we talk about excessiveness, I'll give you an example. I was, I was reading an article. You can go Google it uh, online. But there was a guy in some place in, in California who's building, get this, a 90,000 square foot home. All right? That's bigger than a lot of malls. <laughs> That's bigger than some airports in the country. You got to ask yourself the question for just you know, five or six people, what are you going to do with 90,000 square foot of space? And, you know, so we talk about excessiveness. We, you got to understand, we're talking about a way by which we make sure that whatever we do in life, that we make sure that we don't tie up God's money because we're in debt or because we've overspent and we spent too much. You follow what I'm saying? So we want to make sure that we're wise about how we're structuring our finances and that we're not being overly excessive. I, I, I made a comment last week about vacations, and I can see when I said something about vacations, some of you squint like, ooh, ooh, leave my vacation alone. Not, I wasn't talking about not taking vacations, amen? I mean, no, God wants you to rest. He expects you to reflect. But the idea is that maybe if you got to take a vacation that's going to cost you $5,000 and put you in debt and handicap your ability to be able to give to the most important things in life, you may want to try taking one for $2,000. You follow me? You may, you may want to rearrange. Instead of buying the car that costs $80,000, for an example, maybe you might want to think of buying one that costs maybe $50,000 so that you can make sure that you have enough so that you can give to the things that are really important. Amen? So it's about priority. It's about not being excessive. It's about a whole rearrangement in terms of how we look at money. And for some of us, this is very hard because how many know we all been programmed? You don't think you have been programmed? We all been programmed, and our programming is not kingdom-based. And so coming into the kingdom of God, God challenges that, and God makes us to rethink uh, all about what, uh, uh, how to use our resources and our money. But there was a guy who was here um, not too long ago. Uh, and uh, how many of you remember Troy Kuyper? Uh, you remember Troy Kuyper? Uh, such a, a really, really good brother. A few of us remember Troy Kuyper. Uh, he was a Marine, and, and, he had, uh, and he was a blessed brother. But Troy and I used to have a lot of conversation about money. And uh, if anybody here knew Troy, uh, Troy had a very, very awkward personality. He was a lot of fun, though. I mean, the guy was just, he's an incredible guy. And so we had this conversation. We're sitting down in the car parking lot one day. He tells me, he says, he says uh, uh, I just bought this car, and, um, you know, and I had to negotiate. And he said, I just bought this car. It was like, uh, you know, and he told me how much the car was. It was like, I don't know, $13,000, $14,000. And he said, I just paid cash money for it. Um, and so I kind of looked at him. I said, okay, well, good. You just paid cash money for that. That's just really good. Um, and as we begin to talk about money, what I discovered about my brother is that Troy and his wife live a very, very simple life. In other words, they could afford to live lavishly. They could afford a much bigger house than they had. They bought a very small, modest house, a very modest car, and the way that they lived their life, they were very, very simplistic. They, they brought clothes, and obviously they ate, and they, they were healthy. They were into healthy stuff and all of that. But the whole idea was, and when I talked to him, his whole thing was that he wanted to live his life so that the kingdom of God, that he can give a big chunk of his resources back into the kingdom. That's the way he lived. And so now here's the interesting thing about what happened with that. Because as he positioned himself to make sure to invest the majority of his resources. This is what he was going after. When he did that, God blessed him more and more to the degree that when we had to move in this building. Some of you don't know it because you weren't here. We had to move in this building. We had, to, we had asked people to, we had to take up a special offering. Uh, and I'm not going to tell you what he did, but he wrote a very nice check. And you know what? It put no pressure on him at all because he had positioned himself in a place where he could give. So when somebody said there was a need, he was ready. And in doing so, God just kept blessing him. You following me? So many of us are saying, God, I want you to bless me. God, I want you to bless me. And God is saying, okay, when you begin to change the way you think about money, 
When we begin to change uh, the way we've been programmed, now God is in a position now to bail us out. God is in a position now to help us. Why? Because we've changed the way we think. You ever heard the old adage, the old saying that, that you can take a person out of the ghetto, but you can't necessarily take the ghetto out of the person? Y'all know what I'm talking about. So, so, so we gotta, so we got to change the way we think about this. That's really what this series is about. And, and, and it's going to challenge many of us because you never really thought about it this way. Many of us have been programmed. I mean, let, me, let me just give you a couple of things we've been programmed to believe. Y'all still with me? Say amen. amen. We've been programmed to spend and not save. The majority of the country, we said before, that the country is in trillions of dollars of debt. And the country is okay with being in trillions of dollars of debt because the people are in trillions of dollars of debt. Amen? It's a way that we live. We have been programmed to think that being enslaved to debt is okay. See? We've been programmed that it's okay to get a credit card with 50% interest as long as I can get in this thing and drive. As long as I can get this thing I want, I will pay the penalty. I mean, no, you just pay for that thing like six times. But we've been programmed to say, I got it, I got it, I got it. You ain't got nothing. You just got ripped off. You follow what I'm saying? See, we've been programmed to live paycheck to paycheck. We've been programmed because we're not programmed really wired to save. We've been programmed, for example, to lust after material things to our own demise. That's just the way that Americans, is how we live. We have been programmed to believe that money and things will give lasting and true happiness. How many of you know that money in and of itself does not give you lasting and true happiness? How many know there are many examples before you of people that got a lot of money and they are absolutely miserable? So we know that those are, that it's not the most important things, right? So we have been programmed, watch this, to be self-centered in our culture. We've been programmed to get more and more and more and heap it up on ourselves. But when the kingdom of God comes into the picture, watch this, you got to get this, get this, get this. That God, are you still with me? Say amen. I need you to listen. The God blesses us. Now, this will be hard. Some of you may have to go back home and study. Some of you may have to go back home and really think of this. Think about this. But I know, like I know my name, that I'm telling the truth. God blesses us not necessarily to raise our standard of living, but God blesses us to raise our standard of giving. Did you hear that? He doesn't necessarily blesses us to raise our standard of living. But when God blesses you, he blesses you to raise your standard of giving. It's a whole, it's a, it's a whole different paradigm shift that in the kingdom of God, it's about giving. Now, God says when we give, he says he will bless us. Give, it shall be given unto you. Press down, shaking together. Running together, God will call men to give unto your bosom. Why would God do that? Because we have a kingdom mindset. And God will bless you and God will reward you in your finances when you live in such a way. God, make me a blessing so that I can bless somebody else. You remember Abraham. God said, Abraham, I'm not only going to bless you. How many know Abraham was rich? The father of our faith was rich. Go back and look it up. The boy was loaded. But God said to Abraham, he said, Abraham, I'm not only going to bless you. Watch this. He said, I'm going to make you a blessing. So the, 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 what we're talking about this morning in our sermon, I want you to get this. It is not about accumulating wealth for ourselves. The byproduct is we get to enjoy some of the things that God gives us. Amen. That's, the, that's beautiful, but that's not the end game for us. The end game for us is not about trying to put all of my resources and my, and my time and my energy into earthly possessions. Because I understand the earthly possession that has a ticking clock on it. It's ticking away. It's gonna, how many know what I'm talking about? At some point, it's coming down. So, so, so then, here's the question I have this morning for all of us. Because how many of you want to be positioned for success? You say, Pastor, I want to be financially successful. Um, watch this. How many know that, that when you, if you want God to bless you, you got to get in the right posture for, to be blessed. 
So this message this morning is about getting us in the right posture, in the right frame of mind. To begin to think, not a temporary, watch this, stay with me. This message is not some temporary fix so that we can give this thing a try for a month and then go back to the same old low way of living. I say low way of living because I understand God has already told me what's the important things in life. So what I'm preaching today, if you really want to be blessed by God, then begin to adopt the principles I'm going to show you today and then settle in your heart, this will be the way I live for the rest of my life. Settle it in your heart. Because let me tell you something, when you decide to make giving a priority in your life, the devil will frustrate you. He's going to harass you. He's going to do everything he can to stop you. But here's the thing. How many know God is able to make all grace abound toward you so that you will have all sufficiency, being able to give unto every good work? How many of you want to be able to give to every good thing that God calls you to do? How many of you really believe it's more blessed to give than receive? See, the world got that thing whipped around. It's more blessed to receive than to give. Not in the kingdom of God. So we got to think giving. We got to think, we got to rearrange. Everybody say rearrange. rearrange. I need to really think different about this. I need to sit down and, and, and take a look at my financial structure. I told my wife last night, and we, this is, she and I was talking, we were having this conversation. I said, baby, you know, God's putting in my spirit. We really need to get to a place. We need to rearrange our resources so that we're given minimum. 30% of, 30 of all that we bring in is going to the kingdom of God. Whether 15% to my local church, or 15% to some other charitable organization, someplace where, why, now why, why are we talking that way? Why are we talking that way? Now, we're not there yet, but, but watch, that's where we're going. Why? Because, number one, I know I can't all give God, and I know if I do it that way, I will get treasure in heaven. How do you know heaven is for real? Heaven is eternity. Earth is temporal. You better get it in your spirit. Heaven is eternal. Earth is temporal. So then when Jesus said in Matthew chapter 19, I'm sorry, Matthew chapter 6, Jesus says, now, do not lay up for yourselves treasure on the earth. Now, now I want you to hear. Y'all still with me? Stay with me, okay? Now, so Jesus said, don't lay up treasures on earth. So here's, here's, here's my thing. I'm thinking about this. Now, think about it. So I know that I can't take material things with me. Amen? I'm trying to find some object. I know I can't take material. Let me see. Let me see my old iPad. I know I can't take material things with me. Amen. See, when I die or when you die, we can't take any of the stuff that we work hard for. You can't take it with you. You can't take your money. You can't take your IRA accounts. You can't take your 401ks. You, when you leave this earth, trust me. I, I listen. I guarantee you, it will stay back. And somebody else will get a hold of your stuff. And how many know, and usually there's a lot of fights about it. How many know people getting mad at each other about my families will divide over money? So when Jesus said, don't lay up treasures on earth, what is Jesus really saying? He said, he said but lay up treasures in heaven. So I got a little bit of a dilemma. Because you're telling me, Jesus, don't lay up treasures on earth. In other words, he's saying, don't, your treasure has to do with your affections, what you love. The thing that moves you, the thing that makes you get up every day. Your treasure is the thing that is really, 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 really important to you. So Jesus said, I know that I can't take this stuff with me. So he said, don't do it. But he said, but now lay up treasures in heaven. So here's the question. How do I lay up treasures in heaven? Jesus, you just told me that don't. You know, don't lay up treasures on the earth, so I know I can't take this stuff with me, and obviously I can't take it with me to heaven, so how in the world do I get treasures in heaven? Is that a logical question? Right? Is that a logical question? I mean, i really like to know. How can I get treasures in heaven? Well, I'm glad you asked, we got some answers for you. Amen? We're going to talk, see, it's not so much about, now stay with me, are you still with me? Say amen. amen. It's not so much about the things that God has given us, watch this, as much as it is about what we do with what he gives us. Are you tracking with me? What we do with what he gives us determines whether or not we will or not get treasure in heaven. 
It's what I do with what God gives me. You follow what I'm saying? I'll give you an example. I can have, Brother Exit was singing this morning. See, that's a guitar, amen? How many know that as pretty as this guitar is, and y'all pray that I don't drop it, because Brother Exit would kill me. As pretty as this guitar is, this as pretty as this guitar is, how many know that he can't take this with him to heaven? But how many know that what he does with this guitar, if he ministers and he blesses the people of God and he promotes the kingdom of God with this guitar, how many know now he gets to take it to heaven? You follow what I'm saying? So it's what you do with what you got. So if you have tangible material things, it's all about what I do with what God gives me. So what I do with what God gives me determines whether or not I go, I'm going to have any treasure in heaven. I don't know about you, but I want a lot of heaven, treasure in heaven because that's where I'm going to spend eternity. Come on, somebody. I want all of my treasure to be in heaven because that is where I'm going to spend eternity. Amen? And so when we talk about we got to listen, listen to me. We got to change the whole way we think about it. So it's, it's about, okay, I got this stuff. So what do I do with what God's given me? And everybody got different stuff, right? So you got cars, you got houses, you got uh, clothes, you got wealth. The question is, what are you going to do with that stuff? How do I take that stuff and put it into heaven? Well, here we go. Number one, y'all ready? Say amen. amen. I came up with some scriptural ways, and I saw this in the word of God, and so I want to share this with you. These are some things that I saw. Now, I want you really to be prayerful and thinking about this, people. I really don't want you just to hear this word and just let it slip because the devil will try to take this from you. But I'm telling you, if you want to be blessed financially, listen to what I'm telling you this morning, please. You will be blessed beyond measure. Your life will change forever. I'm telling you, your perspective, everything will change. And for the better, everybody say better. Because how many know that the way that this world sits, the way that we're doing it right now, it ain't really working. As I said at the onset of this series, that we don't have an income problem. Most of us have a management problem. God's not going to keep giving us more and more and more and more if we don't learn how to steward what he got. Right? So why would, why would he do that? Why would he say, I'm going to bless you more if we keep on just doing the same thing? So, 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 so watch this. So how do I transfer my money into heaven? Number one. Give to your local church. Give to your local church. How many know that every time you give to your local church, you are giving to God? That is probably one of the most direct ways that you can transfer your money into heaven. Every time you give to your local church, listen to me, every time you give to support the kingdom of God, when you give, how many know your local, your local church is a place where you give fair spiritually? The church is a place where you hear the word of God. The church is a place where you grow, where you develop, where you mature, where we give to our community, where we serve our community, where we preach the gospel of the kingdom. It's the church is the place where people come who are sick to get healed, where people who are broken, who are lost, that can come into the house of God and receive deliverance. How many know Jesus says that I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against the church? Jesus said, I'm going to build my church. So how many know that God's people ought to first and foremost support your local church? Every time you give to your local church, watch this. Every time you give, you're giving to God. And, and if you're, and some, sometimes we're uncertain about it. Uh, if you ever have any doubts, if it's a good Bible-believing, Bible-teaching church, and I am going to say it, that this is a good Bible-believing, Bible-teaching church. And I believe this is good ground. You don't have to worry about no impropriety here because we are looking to advance the cause of Christ in the earth. It is the most direct way. If you don't do anything else, man, if you're uncertain about where to put your money, you don't trust, start with your local church. Everybody should start with their local church. And uh, Malachi, and I'm not going to dwell on this uh, subject today, but I'm going to just uh, read, read this verse because I think it kind of uh, drives home what I'm trying to say this morning. Malachi chapter 3, verse 10 says, Bring all the tithes into the storehouse, that there may be food in my house. Now, the storehouse has, has and for our day, that's the local church. It's the place where you worship. It's the place that you call home. 
He said, bring all the tithes into the storehouse that there may be food in my house. And here's God. God said, there'll be food in my house. And try me in this. Now, I mean, no, this is, I, I, I'm tempted to really, but I won't, because I got to save this one. But try me in this, says the Lord, if I will not open for you the windows of heaven and pour out for you such a blessing that there will not be room enough to receive. Uh, that's God talking, people. But we got to come out of our shell. And we got to, he said, bring the time. But what's the requirement? He said, bring me 10, just bring me 10%. Bring me just 10%. I believe that every Christian, the training wheels are giving, we start with 10%. That's what we start with. That's our starting place. And we kind of grow from there. Now watch this. He says in 1 Corinthians 16, 2, on the first day of the week, let each one of you lay something aside, storing up as he may prosper, that there may be no collections when I come. So the Apostle Paul is speaking to the Corinthian church. He says, look, every time y'all gather, every once a week when y'all come together, there's an opportunity for you to sow into the kingdom. When you sow into the kingdom, when you sow into your local church, you, you, your money goes straight to heaven. You're making treasure in heaven. You ought to say amen to that. Amen. Number two, we give to other Christians, give to our brothers, give to our sisters in Christ. Another way that we transfer our money to heaven, we make treasure in heaven, is by giving to other Christians. How many know that the church ought to care for one another? Jesus says that the world will know that we are his by the love that we have for one another. So listen, every time I'm giving to my brother and my sister, I am exuding not only the character of Christ, but what I'm doing is I am storing up eternal treasures. Why? Because how many know that, that Jesus is in all of us? Amen. I'm going to let that sink in for a moment. Those who are saved, Jesus is in all of us. How many know if I do it to you, who do I just did it to? Look at Matthew chapter 25, because some of you are looking at me like you're not sure. So let's run on over to Matthew chapter 25. I'm going to read this kind of fast this morning. I'm going to speak gibberishly, and I just made up a word, but I think y'all understand it still. Uh, so in Matthew chapter number 25, verse 31 through 40. Look, this, is, this is such an interesting verse. Now listen to this. So we're talking about how to take, make treasure in heaven. Here's, watch this. Verse 31. When the Son of Man comes in his glory, how do you know Jesus is coming in all of his glory, and all the holy angels with him, then he will sit on the throne of his glory, and all the nations will be gathered before him, and he will separate them one from another as a sheep divides his sheep from the goats. And he will set the sheep on his right hand, but the goats on the left. Then the king will say to those on his right hand, come, you blessed of my father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundations of the world. Watch this. Watch this. For I was hungry. Now, Jesus is speaking in the first person here. For I was hungry and you gave me food. Listen to this. I was thirsty and you gave me drink. I was a stranger and you took me in. I was naked and you clothed me. I was sick and you visited me. I was in prison and you came to me. Then the righteous, he's talking to those who are saved, will answer him saying, Lord, wait a minute, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you or thirsty and give you drink? I don't remember doing that to you. I've never really seen you, Jesus. I, what are you talking about? When did we see you in verse 38? When did we see you a stranger and we took you in or naked and we clothed you? Or when did we see you sick or in prison and come to you? And the king will answer, watch this, and say to them, Assuredly, I say to you, insomuch as you did it to one of the least of these, my brethren. You see that? My brethren, you did it unto who? Me. Wow. How many know that's powerful? He said, when you do it, how many know that when we take care, that's why we got to be careful how we treat God's people. How many know we need to be careful how we treat each other? I, I must respect you at all times because you have the spirit of God living on the inside of you. There's a certain kind of respect. Why? Because you're a child of God. And God takes offense when we treat his people wrong, even if we treat each other wrong. To God even takes bigger offense. But he said, but, but here's what he said. He said, look, if I'm hungry, then he said, look, when did we do that? You were hungry, I was naked, you clothed me, you fed me, you did. He said, if you do anything, if you take care of my, one of my people, 
I will take care of you because you are doing it to me. How oh, I many know that will make treasure in heaven? Amen. You're doing it to Jesus. Every time you give to God's people, you are giving to Jesus. We look out for each other. I'll read another verse for you in that same breath. First John chapter 3, verse 17. Uh, just jot it down, if you will. But whosoever has this world's goods, I mean, world goods have to do material things, and sees his brother in need and shuts up his heart. Well, I gave my quota for this month. I'm done. <laughs> and shuts up his heart from him. How does the love of God abide in him? Because it doesn't work that way. We need to consider giving to other Christian organizations. After you first give to your local church, you give to other organizations that are promoting the values of the kingdom. Listen to me. I, I want to say this with, with, with a lot of love and respect. There are a lot of organizations out there to give to. There are a lot of good charitable organizations to give to. But as for me, and I, this is my personal conviction, I, I will not support an organization that does not support the values of the kingdom of God. So I sold my money. Why? Because I want to make treasure in heaven. So I'm not just going to give to any organization, per se. I want to give to, there's, how many know there's a lot of Christian organizations that you can give to that promote Christian values, that promote the gospel, that promotes life, amen? And so we give to other, find other Christian organizations that you can sow into, that you can bless, People that you know. Why? Because every time you do that, here's what you're doing, people. You're making treasure in heaven. Every time. Every time you do that, you're making treasure in heaven. We give to other believers. Uh, last week, uh, I'm going to brag on somebody. Is it okay? I may get in trouble. But last week, a uh, brother came to me last week, and he made a donation to the church. My first thing was, my first thought was, oh, oh we got to, no, we got to pay him back. Pay him back. That's my first thought. And the person spoke to me. He said, no, 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 no. No, it's my way of giving into the kingdom of giving to God. And God spoke to me. He said, don't get in the way of people's treasure that they're making. God said, leave them alone. That's his blessing. So I said, okay, God, I won't do that ever again. Because watch this. When you give that way, you're making treasure in heaven. We give to Christian organizations, organizations that you know that are promoting the kingdom. How many know that there's so much, how many know that there's more need out there as far as the gospel is concerned than there are people and money to give? So we need to focus our energies on, on, on spending our resources to promote the kingdom. Now, I don't know for you. I know everybody get, harp, get all upset about the 10%, but I would say we need to think bigger than that. We need to think, about, we need to think of ways that, that, that simplifying our life, not becoming crazy. You know, there are some folks that are crazy who are anti-materialism. Like, well, if you put clothes on, you're in sin. You know, like you're supposed to sleep on the street. That devil is a lie. That's crazy. That's not biblical. How many know you can go too far to extreme? But we need to be balanced. Everybody say be reasonable. Be reasonable. Be reasonable. Are yours, is your situation in, is in a way that, that, that you can support the things that are really important to God? This is the question that we got to ask ourselves. So we give to other believers. Number three, how many know you got to build, before I go to the next point, how many know you got to build generosity into your debt, into your, into your financial structure? You have to build generosity into your budget. You got to build it. You ain't going to just be generous. You're not going to be a person that's proud in the kingdom of God by accident. How many know it ain't going to happen by accident? If it did, then I wouldn't be standing up here talking to you today. You got to plan, watch this, to prioritize the kingdom in your budget. You got to budget for it. That's what we're talking about this morning. Budgeting for success and watch God bless. Number three. Here's another big one. You want to make your treasure in heaven? Give to the poor. Give to the poor. Let me tell you something right now, people. Whew, this is a big one. Because our natural disposition is that when we see people who are in a situation, we have a tendency sometimes to say, well, they're in that situation because they did it to themselves. They got hooked on drugs. They broke the law, and they got what they deserve. The only problem I have with that 
nobody in here got what we really deserve. Amen? You are only here today in your right mind because God kept you. Do you hear me? God kept you. All of us is one step away from being a bum on the street. You know, and it breaks my heart because I, I would go to these places like, I travel all over the country. Many of you know my other job, my full-time job. And, uh, and you all know that um, I travel. And, you know, every time I, I, I travel in these cities, and you see these people who have absolutely nothing just laying on the streets. And I don't, it, it doesn't matter how they got there. The, the problem is they're there. And it's a life. And God so loved the world that he gave his son to go get him. And so for us to have this pious attitude where you're there because some people are there, there are a whole lot of reasons. We don't know this full story. And sometimes we don't even need to know. But you know what Jesus did when he was around the Bible? So he just went around doing good. He didn't ask people, uh, he didn't ask people, how'd you get there? You broke, you're sick, how'd you get sick? What did you do? He didn't, he didn't go in there and say, Show me everything I want to know before I heal you. Jesus just went about blessing people. He helped them. Let me tell you something. If you want to get close to the heart of God, give to the poor. The poor are very close to the heart of God. It touches God. It hurts. Let me, tell you, let me give you a couple of verses to back it up. And Mark 10, 21 says, watch this. Then Jesus, looking at him, loved him. He's talking about the rich guy. Y'all remember the rich young ruler? Y'all remember what he said, right? He was rich and Jesus challenged him. Then Jesus, looking at him, loved him, and he said to him, one thing you like, go your way, sell whatever you have, watch this, and give to the poor. That's what Jesus told the rich guy. He just sell everything. And, and, guess, what, what, and guess, guess what? He didn't just tell the rich guy that just to be saying that. He's, he told him, he's, he's, he didn't even say, go sell a percentage of what you got. He said, go sell everything you got. Everything. And give it to the poor. But then what did Jesus say on the backside of that? He said, if you do that, you'll get treasure in heaven. You hear that? Go sell everything you got, give to the poor, and then make yourself. Now, now, God is not requiring all of us to do that. But how do you know? God knew who his God was. And he called him on it. And, and how many know he walked away? How many know when we give to the poor, we get treasure in heaven? Jesus just said it right there. Let me give you another verse. Proverbs 21, 13. Write these verses down. Study them. Exegete them. Look them up. Whoever shuts his ears to the cry of the poor will also cry himself and not be heard. You think Jesus might be serious about poor people? He said, if you shut your ear and you don't care nothing about the poor, he said, you yourself going to cry and I ain't going to hear you. How many of you know we need to give some compassion to the poor? Now watch this. Let's keep going. Proverbs 19, 17. This is the verse. I want you to write this down and remember this. Every time you see somebody who is less fortunate than you, that are in a situation, listen to me. He says in Matthew 19, 17, he who has pity on the poor lends to the Lord. Wow, look at that. Is that not big? He said, he who has, watch this, pity on the poor, not judge him, not try to figure out why he's, to, to, how many know a lot of times we want to try to figure, we want to try to say that, they're in that condition because they did whatever they did. How do we know that oftentimes we say that is because we want to justify not showing compassion? So we got we to gotta come up with some reason in our mind not to bless and help somebody. So the thing that we come up with is, well, you know what? They did that to themselves. They were just a bad steward. They were just this. They, yeah, they were all of that. But how do we know God still loves them? Every bum laying on the street that's wrapped in a cloth, God loves them. Do you hear me? Do you hear me? God loves them. And he said, God loved the world. God came after them too. Right. Not for us to look at them sideways and have no compassion. Verse, Proverbs 19, 17. He who has pity on the poor lends to the Lord and he will pay back what he has given. Wow. God says, I'm going to pay you back. <laughs> Do y'all hear that? Now, just in case you forgot, he owns everything. 
The earth is the Lord and the fullness there. God says, when you, live, when you give to the poor, it's like giving God alone. And God said, I'm going to give you back. And I'm going to tell you something, God will give you triple on that too. He's going to bless you real good. You want to get treasure in heaven? Give to the poor. That's why we have opportunity. We're coming up in this season. We have opportunity to give the homeless shelters. and give. I want our church to step out and be big and give big because these are people who are out of the luck, who have uh, been down on their life. I shouldn't use the word luck, but you know what I mean. These are people who are just down on life, and they've had a rough go of it. Some of these women in these shelters have been abused. They've been in bad situations. They have absolutely nothing, nothing. And we have an opportunity to give to them and to help them. How many know that we can take our wealth, what God has blessed us with, and sow back into them and make treasure in heaven? Y'all getting it now? I got my things. I'm making treasure in heaven. This is what we're talking about this morning. Uh, number, what number are we? Number four. We only got five of these and we're done. Number four. We need to care for our families. God expects us to do that. To invest in our children, in our home, with our resources. Amen. The Bible says this in 1 Timothy 5, 8. Write this down. But if anyone does not provide for his own, now listen to this. This is, this, is, this is convicting. And especially for those of his household, he had denied the faith and is worse than an unbeliever. I mean, that's offensive to the spirit of God. Can I, how many know that if you have children, you ought to take care of them? Bible says if you don't can't take care of your own, you're worse than an unbeliever. I mean, we, we got people who say they love the Lord, but won't put a dime but running from the police because they don't want to pay child support. I'm not talking about people that are struggling. I'm talking about people who just don't want to do it. How many know that God expects us to care for our families? He expects us to care for our homes. How many know that when you do that, you make treasure in heaven? When I'm investing in my children, with my resources and my family, I'm making treasure in heaven. I'm investing in them. I'm using my resources. And I mean, God expects us to do that. And so we take the time, we invest into them, invest in their education. Those are things God's, God wants us to do because we want to make sure that they get to experience a full measure of heaven just like you. You want to bring them with you, amen? amen. And based on how you treat them, how many know that some people, you're the only God they will ever see, the only Jesus? And based on how you treat them will, may have a big uh, part in whether or not they'll ever come to Christ. So God expects us to take care of our families with our resources and invest in our homes. Amen. Lastly, is another example I saw in the Bible. We need to care for the defenseless or those who are in dire straits. Look at uh, Luke chapter number 10, verses 33 through 37. Look at Luke chapter 10. You know, can I say this? Um, we've all seen videos, right? We've seen situations, I've seen stuff on TV, where a person is getting attacked and getting beat and being left for half dead and people stand right around and walk right by as if they don't see it. How do you know Jesus don't expect us to do that? You don't necessarily have to go in there and throw it and, and fight and jump in the fight, but you know what, how do you know that we can help? We can help. God says you're the light of the world. He says you wanna make treasure in heaven. Help somebody who is in a, in, in a desperate situation. I mean, you know, there are people out there all around us that are very desperate. They're desperate. But look at this. This is a, a passage I think my wife may have echoed it earlier. In Luke chapter 10, verses 30 through 37. Um, I said Luke chapter 10, right? Okay. Then Jesus answered and said, A certain man went down from Jerusalem to Jericho and fell among thieves, who stripped him of his clothing, wounded him, and departed, leaving him half dead. Watch this. Now, by chance, a certain what? Priest, pastor, watch this, man of God, 
He saw it. You know what he did? He said, I'm getting up on the other side of the street. I ain't got nothing to do with this. I'm busy. <laughs> he was a priest. <sighs> now by chance, verse 31, a certain priest came and down the road and he saw him. He passed by on the other side. In other words, how many know he made some stuff? He saw him. He said, well, I'm going way. I don't want to have nothing to do with this. I'm going way on the other side. I'm going to act like I don't see it. How many know God sees what we claim we don't see? Everything is naked unto him to whom we must give an account, right? Now, by chance, no, verse 32, likewise, a Levite, he's a deacon of the church. <laughs> a Levite, when he arrived at the place, came and looked and passed by on the other side. So I ain't going, I, I, I can't. And I'm sure they, got, they had a lot of excuses. They probably had, to, had a church meeting. You know, they probably had a picnic to go to. Just really busy. You know, I know you're sitting there half dead, but keep be all right. Somebody else will do it. I don't have time. You know, we're going to give an account to God how we live. And he's, he remembers every little thing like that. But a certain Samaritan, now Samaritans were hated by the Jews. And Jesus used this to get at them. He wanted to send a message. Because Samaritan, Samaritan was, was mixed breed. They were Jews, but they had mixed with another nation. And so the Jews and the Samaritans, they just, they were at each other. They didn't like each other. They were like poison to each other. Jesus said, a certain Samaritan came. How I many know Jesus cut right through the heart, right? He put it right in there. He said, but a Samaritan came, the one uh, who probably shouldn't know, but, you know, you should know. But this Samaritan who... You would expect they would do this. He didn't do that. Here's what he did. But a certain Samaritan, as he journeyed, came where he was, and when he saw him, watch this, he had what? Compassion. You want to make treasure in heaven? People, be compassionate. Figure out a way in your life to be compassionate. So he went to him, and he bandaged his wounds. Look at this guy did pouring on oil and wine, and he set him on his own animal, brought him to an inn, and took care of him. On the next day when he departed, he took out the two denarii, gave them to the innkeeper, and said to him, take care of him, and whatever more you spend, when I come again, I will repay you. So which of these three do you think was neighbor to him who fell among the thieves? And he said, he he who showed mercy on him. Then Jesus said to him, go and do likewise. Let's go and do likewise. See, there are many opportunities to bless, right? Amen. We can act like those and act like we don't care because there are other things that we rather do. But you know what this guy did? He took money out of his own pocket. And how many know this guy probably couldn't even repay him back? But you know what he knew? God will pay me back. And you know what he did? He went and took money out of his own pocket. He said, look, I don't know this guy, but take care of him, please. How do you know that when you behave that way, you make treasure in heaven? Y'all seeing how drastically different this is from the world's way of thinking. Now, you, here's the obvious thing that you have seen in everything I just said. When you talk about making treasure in heaven, you know one word sums it all up. One word. It's a four-letter word. Y'all want to guess what it is? It's a four-letter word. You can say it. You can talk. One word that sums up everything that we just said as it relates to making treasure in heaven. It starts with a G. Give. Give, give, give. You want to be blessed? Give. You want financial freedom? Give. You want to make treasure in heaven? Give. Don't spend all your money or a big huge of your money in things that won't end in the that won't matter in the end. Listen, if you know if you're gonna leave the earth anyway, how many know all of us are gonna leave? Amen. Then make sure that a big chunk of what we have go to the things of God. Why? Because I make treasure in heaven. This is an eternal perspective. And I know that 
And I will be the first one to say, for some of you, you're sitting there thinking, I, I know. And, and, and some of God's, some of, some, some of the preachers, and I'm done with my message. This is just a sidebar, a footnote. For some of us as Christian leaders, we haven't been real good examples. I even know some leaders who promote in the church a, a kind of gospel of materialism. Whereby, you know, some of these, some of these folks will get three, four, 15 cars, two, three houses. They don't need all that. Just excessive. And so what is the body of Christ supposed to think? That the blessing of God is, is me getting stuff. The blessing of God is you getting more so you can give more. Look, look at this. And, and let, me, let me drive it home with this verse. Write this verse down. 2 Corinthians 9, 8. Write it down. And God is able to make all grace abound toward you. You see that? How many know God, God? He's talking about giving. That you always have an all-sufficiency in all things. In other words, all my needs are met. Right? How many of you want all your needs met? Y'all don't want your needs met? Amen. Come on, somebody. Y'all talk back to me. He said, all-sufficiency in all things may have an abundance, what? For every good work. Here's the blessing. Man, when there's an opportunity, I can do it. If there's a need in the house, I can do it, man. Oh, bless. God has blessed me with something. I can do it. I, I, I haven't tied God's money up in debt. I've been a good steward. I have positioned myself so that now I can give to God because he's become my priority in my life. The last verse is 1 Timothy 6, verses 17 through 19. Command those who are rich. And he's talking to the rich, but I really believe this is applicable to all of us. Command those who are, because all of us are rich in Christ, amen? Whether you know it or not, you are rich in Christ. Command those who are rich in this present age not to be haughty, nor to trust in uncertain riches, but in the living God who gives us richly all things to enjoy. Let them do good, watch this, that they may be rich in good works, ready to give willing to share, storing up for themselves a good foundation for the time to come. He's talking about eternity, that they may lay hold on eternal life. See, giving is about eternity. How many of you know, how many of you would say, Pastor, this is, a, this, is a, this is a drastic way of thinking? But it's a biblical way of thinking. So, I had to sit down. I had to have a discussion. We all have to have a discussion about what's really important to us in life. And some of you may discover that, you know, I need to make some changes. And for some of us, it's going to take a while. You can't do it all in one shot. You just have to do it over time. But you got to start somewhere. Amen? Amen. You got to start somewhere. Say, so, you know what? If, the kingdom, if I say the kingdom of God is important to me and I, make, I want to make treasure in heaven, I want to make treasure in heaven so that when I die, that Jesus can look at me and say, well done, good and faithful Amen. servant. You Amen. did well. Now enter into the joys of the Lord. God will bless your socks off. Amen. God will bless you real good. Every head is bowed, every eye is closed. Father, I thank you this morning for your word, your truth. If you're here this morning, and first and foremost, you must know that God is a giver. And the first thing that God gives is eternal life to everybody who asks him. If you're here today and the Holy Spirit convicted you that there's some things in your life that needs to change, there's some things in your life that needs to be different. But you realize that you live a life destitute of God. And you want to give your life to Jesus. I'm not talking about having a knowledge of God. I'm not talking about your religion. I grew up in the Catholic Church, or I grew up in the Methodist Church, or I grew up in the Lutheran Church, and I grew up, I was baptized when I was six. All of those are really neat things. But here's the real question. Have you given your heart to Jesus. 
It's appointed unto man once to die. And then after death comes judgment. If you're here this morning, you say, Pastor, I, I want to give my life to Jesus. I really do. I'm not saved. I've been living a lie. But now I'm ready to make a commitment to Christ. He's spoken to me. If that's you, please slip your hand up. Don't be ashamed. You say, Pastor, I want to get saved today. I want to, I want to go all the way with Jesus. Is there one who would say that today? Is there one? Is there one? Well, maybe you're here today and, and you realize the Holy Spirit has shown you some things and that your treasure has been in the wrong place. And you're here this morning and you realize that you heard something and that you really want to make some changes in your life. But you need God's grace. You've been convicted and you have made a decision that there are some changes that's going to take place. If that's you this morning, if, you, if the Holy Spirit spoke to you and convicted you and you're saying, I, I want to make some changes. I, I want to make some changes, but I need God's grace to help me. If that's you, I want to ask you to come on up to the altar. Let's pray together. If that's you, don't be ashamed. You're saying, you know what? I'm going to make some changes. God just convicted me. Come on up. And listen to the voice of the Holy Spirit. Listen to the voice of the Holy Spirit. I need to make some changes. I need to prioritize the kingdom. Is there another one? You're saying, I need to make some changes about my priorities and my treasures. I just live my life and I just spend, spend, and spend. And whatever I have left at the end, I give God that. But you've been convicted that there are some things that you're going to change. And you need God's help. You want to change. But you know it's going to be really hard. But you agree with God that this needs to be priority. Is there one more who would say, Pastor, I'm ready to make a change in the way I handle my money and the things that God has given me. Amen. Well, I just wanted to, uh, first of all, I thank you all for taking a step of faith. How do you know that God loves you? You can never outgive God. Our whole life now belongs to him. And that means so do our pocketbook. We're not going to argue with God about giving him percentage. We're going to argue about God. We're going to say, God, it's your money. And I want that when I leave this earth, you want it to be able, you want people to say about you that the kingdom of God reflected in how you lived. And here's what I'm praying. I don't know what your financial situation is, but I know God is a God of grace. You may be in a situation this morning where you really can't. You may be thinking, I, I really want to I want to do better with this, but but you know what? I, I'm in so I'm so deep in in debt that I can't. But 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 I need God's grace. I need God's help. God is going to offer grace if you receive the word you heard this morning and you agree with God that there's going to be some changes. Here's what God's going to do. God is going to give you grace. He's going to give you grace to be able. If your heart is right, He's going to give you grace to be able to do what you want to do in your heart and what you know is right. You heard this morning, you know in your heart that what was spoken this morning, it was right. You know it's the Holy Spirit and he loves you that much. And so I just want to pray with y'all. I want to pray over them. Church, you can just pray with me. Lord, I just thank you for these people, Lord. I thank you for Jeff. I thank you for Ashley and Ashley, God. I thank you, Father God, that they have taken a step of faith God, they've come to the altar publicly to acknowledge that they agree with your word and that, God, that they're going to make some changes. But, God, they need your help. God, I pray that you would give them the grace to do what they need to do. They love you, God, or they wouldn't be here. And they didn't care about the things of the kingdom. They would not be here today. But, Lord, they wanted to reflect in their finances, God. I'm asking, God, that you would give them a special blessing. I'm asking, God, that you would give them a breakthrough in their finances. I'm asking, God, that you would give them favor, uh, Lord God, so that 
they can position themselves for financial success. God, I'm praying, God, that you would bless them, God, because of their intended faithfulness. They're going to be faithful to you, God. They're going to start, Lord, by being faithful. There's no more fighting. There's no more wrestling, God. We, we understand now that it all belongs to you, and we're rearranging our life to reflect that. And God, we're not mad about it. They're not mad about it today because they know you've given them everything they got anyway. And so there's a lot of joy here. There's a lot of happiness because deliverance is right here and now. So God bless these people. Bless them, God, bless them. Father, I just anoint them in the name of Jesus, God, that you would bless them with grace so that God, not only would their needs be met, but they will have an abundance to give for every good work that they will not lack the ability to be able to sow again and again. And God, I pray that as they prioritize you in this way, that God, that you will just keep blessing them to a point, God, they get drunk and dizzy with it, that they don't even know what hit them. Pour out a blessing, God, that there will be not room enough to receive. God, I'm declaring this over these precious people here today. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Come and give God praise. Thank you. At this time, it's time for communion. Amen. What a great time to take communion. If y'all receive that word, come on, give God another praise. You know, I really enjoy uh, teaching on this subject because I know that there's going to be a change and there's going to be how many know that in all the things that God want to do in and through all of us, um, we have to be free. Amen. We have to get free so that we can do the big things. And uh, I want to, I want, I got some, I want some big things I want to do. And I know many of you got some, you got some big dreams you want to see in this church. And so do I. But it starts right here. It starts with adopting these principles and everybody saying, you know what? Let's do this together. Let's change and make God number one. And so uh, with that being said, we're going to uh, take communion. Um, communion is for believers, for those who are Christians. And as the Apostle Paul warned, that, um, that when we take communion, we must uh, discern that this is the Lord's body. This is a sacred and holy moment. So um, this is reserved for those who have confessed Christ as Savior and Lord. And we want to make sure that we take the communion in a way that is uh, right, in a way that is holy. The Bible declares that there were some people that died from Apostle Paul when some people were taken for granted of the sacredness of the moment of communion and they didn't understand how serious it was. The Bible said many of them died because they played around with it. So this is a serious and a sacred moment. It's a time where we commune with Jesus. His blood and his body is everything to us. So we reconnect with him in a very fresh way. I believe that when we take communion, there's a cleansing. There's a fresh cleansing that comes with taking communion every time you do it. There's this freshness that comes. There's this re-identification. There's this freshness and this purity that comes when we take communion together as the people of God. Amen. So before we take communion, uh, we want to take a moment and search your hearts. And if you've got any sin in your heart, you need to confess. Confess it before we take communion, whether it's unforgiveness, uh, whether it's anger, whether it's bitterness, whether it's jealousy, uh, whatever it is, give it to God, and then we'll take communion together. Jesus, draw us close to you, Jesus. Draw me close. Thank you, Jesus. As I lose, Thank you, Jesus. Lose Amen. Um, what we're going to do, we're going to stand to your feet. And, um, the ushers will, will um, have everybody come up by groups. We'll be in three groups the, uh, this group, the middle group, and the group to my left. Um, you'll come to the table, serve yourselves, go back to your seats, and then wait for me, and then we'll take communion together.
For I received from the Lord that which I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus, on the same night in which he was betrayed, he took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, Take, eat, this is my body, which is broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Shall we eat together? Thank you for your body. Thank you for your wounds that I might be made here. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. In the same manner, he also took the cup after supper, saying, this cup is a new covenant in my blood. This do as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death till he comes. Jesus, your blood has never lost its power and it never will. By your stripes, we are healed. By your blood, God, we are washed. Our sins have been washed away. God, as we drink your blood, Lord, sanctify us, cleanse us, Fill us with hope, fill us with love, fill us with grace, Father, in every aspect of our lives. God, we give you the praise. In Jesus' name, shall we drink together? Amen. The ushers will collect those. Just pass them over uh, to your left and to your right. us out with a song. Amen. We're going to clap our hands one more time. Come on, give God praise. <laughs> Brother Edge is going to take us home. He's going to take us home, and then I'm going to say a prayer of closing. Amen.